From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, September 21st. In 1988, pop singer George Michael was topping the charts with his hit song, Faith. George H.W. Bush defeated Michael Dukakis in that year's U.S. presidential election. And the Bureau of Land Management made their last comprehensive update to their oil and gas regulations. These regs haven't been updated since 1988. That's 35 years ago. Um, So a lot to do here. BLM Director Tracy Stone Manning speaking in a public meeting earlier this summer. Stone Manning's agency is now proposing some major framework changes to its oil and gas program. It would do a number of things. First, it would increase royalty rates for new oil and gas leases. That means companies pumping oil and gas on BLM lands would pay a 16.5% royalty to the government instead of 12.5%. Next, it would dramatically increase bonding requirements. If the overall framework of BLM's oil and gas regulations hasn't been touched since 1988, well, this particular section hasn't seen an update since before the Civil Rights Act. The BLM's current regulations are not sufficient. Um, Those amounts are very low and have not been increased over 50 years. Peter Cohen, the BLM's senior mineral leasing specialist, speaking in that same public meeting this summer. When companies lease federal lands for oil and gas development, they have to put up a bond. That bond is meant to cover the cost of cleanup in the event the operator goes out of business or just fails to plug and reclaim their wells. Otherwise, We, the taxpaying people, pay for it. Here's Cohen. The BLM is first proposing to raise individual bonds. In addition, the BLM is proposing to raise the minimum statewide bond. The BLM wants to increase the individual lease bond amounts from just $10,000 to $150,000. And the agency wants to increase statewide bonds from just $25,000 to half a million. Existing oil and gas operations would be phased in over several years to meet these new bonding requirements. Nada Culver, Principal Deputy Director of the BLM. We have a responsibility to ensure that leases um, are developed in a safe way and a responsible and efficient way. Part of that is to make sure that there isn't something left to clean up, to endanger communities, um, and also to generate energy and fiscal returns to the American taxpayer. Not everyone is convinced about these new requirements proposed by the BLM. Staffers at the pro-development Western Energy Alliance have been quoted as saying these proposals collectively send a signal that federal officials don't want any new leasing on federal lands. It seems like the opposition is concerned about optics. That's true even at the local level, where this week some Grand County commissioners expressed concern about sending a letter of support to the BLM about their proposal. Commissioner Bill Winfield said he was not opposed to making changes to the oil and gas structure or even raising royalty and bonding rates, but he worried that expressing that in a formal comment to the BLM would put Grand County at odds with neighbors who might disagree. Uh, I think we're sending the wrong message out to many, many people. He said grand support of this proposal may make cooperation difficult on regional interagency boards where most counties are more in favor of oil and gas production. We've got NGOs and environmental groups around here that could send this letter out and it might be appropriate coming from them. 
but it isn't appropriate coming from the county. The majority of his fellow commissioners disagreed. They voted in favor of sending the letter of support to the BLM. Commission Chair Jacques Hadler pointed to another big update the federal agency is proposing, leasing preferences. Over the last decade, the BLM offered over 40 million acres for oil and gas leasing. But they received bids on just under 10 million acres. So their new proposal would direct leasing and development to areas with higher oil and gas potential and less conflict with sensitive cultural, wildlife, and recreation resources. Chair Hadler sees this as a good thing. In 2020, Parcels and Sandflats Recreation Area were nominated for oil and gas leasing, causing an outcry from the recreation community. There's a, a speculative lease up on, it was literally on the Slick Rock Trail, and there's huge outcry in the in both the motorized and the mountain biking communities here because it was uh, it was it, it was threatening one of the crown jewels of our our trail system and sand flats and eventually that was withdrawn. But it took a lot of community outreach, a lot of energy, a lot of organization to fight that. So Hadler says the BLM's proposal it's just a, a great step forward as far as everything goes to uh, to help mitigate issues like that in the future. BLM staffers are quick to point out that the proposal does not change the agency's mission to manage public lands for multiple uses. They say, quote, responsible energy development will continue on public lands. Deputy Director Culver again. feel that we're really making timely and important improvements so that when we are providing people with the privilege of developing oil and gas resources on public lands, the taxpayer gets a fair return and also return on energy development. The final day to make a public comment on the BLM's update of their oil and gas framework is tomorrow, Friday. Find links in the show notes. Not everyone in our region is satisfied with the Bureau of Land Management's proposed oil and gas updates. While many organizations say these are long overdue reforms, one Colorado-based environmental group is concerned about so-called sacrifice zones that might target Grand Mesa and the North Fork Valley for oil and gas production. Lisa Young with our partners at KVNF reports. Citizens for a Healthy Community Executive Director Natasha Leger says if adopted, the proposed rule would likely move the BLM away from low to moderate development zones and turn to areas designated as high development zones, putting a target on the North Fork Valley and Grand Mesa. And so we're really concerned that areas like the North Fork are going to wind up being sacrificed so that you can have broader conservation in other areas where there's low and moderate potential. And so we think that, you know, conservation is important, but conservation should not be at the expense of creating sacrifice zones. Leger is pushing for the BLM to develop specific denial criteria that addresses climate change and provides a clear guideline for denying fossil fuel extraction, primarily in climate hotspots. A way to look at that is to say lands that have already warmed 1.5 degrees Celsius or more are not eligible for leasing. And so that's a ve- that's very clear. So they can still have the preference criteria, but you have something that's very clear that says these lands are not appropriate for, for leasing and development. Delta County has already warmed 2.1 degrees Celsius, while the Uncompagre Field Office for the BLM has warmed 1.9 degrees Celsius, which is nearly 4 degrees Fahrenheit. 
Beyond the need to protect climate hotspots, Leger says oil and gas production poses environmental threats to local watersheds, as well as the already drought-stricken Colorado River. There are chemicals in, and radioactive material in the flowback that comes back up, and so that would contaminate irrigation water and, and drinking water and contaminate the soils. And, you know, th- these, these headwaters are the source of our agricultural growth. It's what our wildlife relies on. It's what the ecosystem relies on. So it creates a multiplier effect for what the environmental and ecological damage could be. I'm Lisa Young. Earlier this month, a meeting was held in White Mesa, Utah, on the Ute Mountain Ute Reservation to remember the centennial of the town of Blanding's attacks on the tribal community. Chris Clements with our partners at KSJD has more. From March 22nd to April 29th, 1923, Mormon settlers and townspeople from Blanding began a five-week assault that included the theft of Ute lands and children and the murder and imprisonment of many White Mesa Utes. Regina Lopez White Skunk is a former Ute Mountain Ute Tribal Council member and the cross-cultural programs manager for Montezuma Land Conservancy. According to Lopez White Skunk, the attack on White Mesa was brought on in part by the Homestead Act of 1862, which allowed any American to put in a claim for up to 164 free acres of federal land. She says the community meeting on the 1923 attack was meant to provide tribal members with the chance to grieve and remember what happened, and to discuss how it still impacts Ute people today. A lot of that trauma still lives within our blood. There, There's traumatic memories that sometimes, you know, I, I often feel like, why do I feel angry sometimes? And I really have to sit with myself and think about things in a way that recognizes what our people have been through. And it's not just a healing of self. It's a healing of people. It's a healing of, of our culture. Um, it's, it's just so much deeper than, than just one person. It's many people, it's many cultures, and it's it was our civilization. Lopez White Skunk also says the White Mesa community now hopes to recruit a younger Ute tribal member who will write about what happened in 1923 and conduct interviews with elders. I'm Chris Clements. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, September 21st. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.